twowayradios.com, check, check. Bytwowayradios.com. Recorded almost live from Rock Hill, South Carolina. It's the Two Way Radio Show. Welcome to the Two-Way Radio Show. I'm Rick Savoya. I'm Danny Feimster. And I'm Anthony Roquet. And this is the podcast about two-way radios for business and consumer communications. Today we'll talk with two officials from ICOM. They'll tell us how the company started, talk about some of their current products, and we'll ask about their plans for the future. We'll also review the ICOM CY5000 and CY6000 all-in-one digital and analog repeaters and take some of your questions from our blog and our forums at twowayradioforum.com. Our show is sponsored by buytwowayradios.com, the source of two-way radios and radio accessories for businesses and consumers since 2002. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. buytwowayradios.com, your radio specialists. ICOM is a well-established manufacturer of quality amateur, avionics, marine, and business two-way radios. Recently, we had the opportunity to speak with officials from ICOM, and today, we're going to hear the interview. We'll learn about the history of their company, its current product line, and their thoughts about the future. And we're speaking with two of our representatives from ICOM, Ray Novak, Senior Sales Manager, and Keith Chafin, Technical Channel Manager for the Southeast Region. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to the Two-Way Radio Show. Oh, thank you for having us with you. Thank well, you. thanks for being here. It's, it's a pleasure to have you both on today. ICOM has been around for a long time and has a great reputation, but can you start off by giving us a little background on ICOM uh, as a company? Uh, yeah, the, ICOM started out with the founder, uh, Mr. Inouye, well, ICOM's background actually started with amateur radio back in 1954. Mr. Inouye being an avid ham and coming out of World War II, the experimentation, everything was built at home or a modification of a military radio. But he developed the very first commercialized radio for the Japanese amateur radio market to cover uh, a VHF band. Wow. Uh, We've been an ICOM dealer for a long time. I didn't even realize that it, it started out in amateur radio. I knew you're, you're big in the amateur world, but uh, oh, yeah. I didn't know that was the foundation. of the. Mr. Inouye's passion is all about the amateur radio, and as ICOM grew, the next line that we brought in was the marine radios, a very, very similar product, VHF, and then expanded it into Lamb Mobile. Uh-huh. Diode matrix programmable VHF UHF mobiles. That was the first radio. Hmm. How long ago was that? Do you have a, a uh, ballpark? If I was back in our our uh, historical area, we've got everything timelined out. Oh, I'd but love to see that. It's it's very interesting. We've got one of the original first radios from each one of the divisions, uh-huh. and then finally, uh, when we came out with the first amateur radio uh, portable. We had a very similar one. It was the 2AT, which had thumb wheels on the top. (laughs) Then it migrated into the O2AT. 
the O2AT had the M2, which was a marine radio, and probably one of one of the most successful portables in the late 70s, early 80s was the H16U16 portable, which um, felt like a brick, looked like a brick, and all the accessories were interchangeable between all the different divisions. So the Marine Division has been around longer than the Land Mobile Division. That's yes. pretty interesting, actually. Uh, you mentioned a, a historical area. Does, does ICOM have like a, a section or a room or something with all of the original radios there, or, or like a historical, like a museum kind of thing? We we do at our our U.S. corporate headquarters in Kirkland, Washington, in the, the lobby area. We've got two different things. One is we've got a a very nice contest ham radio station tower in the back of the building that's the first thing that people really notice when they come up mm -hmm. but then we have a historical area that follows the four timelines of amateur aviation marine and land mobile and it shows that there's a lot of industry firsts in all the different industries that we've come out with and that's look looking at building into the the Technology. We were the first one with a submersible marine radio. Oh, that I didn't know. Yeah, the, the <laughs> that seems like an important feature. Yeah, too. I would say so. Yeah, the ICM one was was the first one to hit the market, and uh, it was be very interesting going to a boat show and somebody saying, "Yeah, I dropped it off the dock. Thought it was gone. Dove down after it, picked it up, and it was still on." Mm -hmm. In the last five years we've taken a lot of the successful technologies from the different divisions and have tried to combine it across the the board we now have a submersible land mobile radio um we've some of your newer marine radios kind of remind me of the high-end um lmr radios now as well with the nice graphical displays and, and oh, all yeah. that there's uh, some similarities there yeah, we'd like to take we've a walk even, through through that area sometime just to see all the the progression. Uh, that's radio history right there. How did the avionics come to be? Is that the the newest uh, division? Yeah, that would be the newest division. We came out with the original A2, so that whole two series, the O2, M2, A2, and although the Land Mobile was the H16, U16. There again. H for VHF 16 channel, U for UHF 16 channel. So the nomenclature was was very basic back then. Right. But yeah, the aviation we came out with the com only. Then we went to the A20, which was a, a the ergonomics changed a little bit more channels, and then it really took off when we had the Navcom units with the A21 series. Nice. Well, um, I'm going to fast forward a little bit now and talk about some of your current LMR models. Uh, that's mainly what we sell. We do do some amateur, but unfortunately we're not an ICOM amateur dealer, although a lot of hams listen to the podcast and I'm sure would be excited to hear from you. Um, the 411-3011 are our most popular LMR, some of our most popular LMR radios, and they have been for a while. Seems like you guys are maybe transitioning away from that. You've come out um, recently with the F1000, F2000. That seems to be the natural progression of where these our 411, 3011 customers should go. 
Can you give us some of the reasons that uh, the F-1000, F-2000 might be a better choice over the 4011? Well, one, one of the things with the F-1000, 2000, there's a lot of features packed into that radio. Uh, I mentioned earlier about the marine radios being submersible. Mm -hmm. The F-1000, 2000 series is a submersible radio. And when you take a look at it in a marine environment, it makes sense. Land mobile, maybe not so much, but there, there's a lot of people that are outside. While you have construction workers that are out in the mud, and you take a look at others that are out there, we have a, a group of lifeguards that used to buy 4011s because it would hit the price point that their budget could afford. But as soon as one of them forgot to take it off when they jumped into the ocean to go save a life, that radio was toast. How about just waterproofing in general? I mean, even if you, you don't need a submersible radio, the fact that it's submersible probably means it's a better radio to take out in a rainstorm if you're walking outside or any environment where it's going to get wet. Am I, am I right to uh, oh, yeah. assume that? In, any, any environment where you have water penetration, it's, it's going to be one that you don't have to worry about replacing. And the, the current 4011 is sort of resistant to water. I believe it's an IP54. But with yes, it is. So moving not, up to the F2000, you're just not going to have to worry about water. Yeah, because actually, you didn't get into that waterproof feature there. You're talking about an I, going from an IP54 in the, in the 4011 to an IP67 in the 2000 series. Now, you know that when you break that number down, you know the seven is the water, mm -hmm. the six is the dust resistance. So not only that, you're getting a much better sealed radio for a, a dust environment or, or, or another environment in a work like a construction site or something like that. So again. We're taking a radio now that we've built upon that chassis and coming back in at a very similar price point to the 4011 now, packing it with a lot more features and a lot more electronics and, and uh, signaling systems that we can bring in, man down, emergency, even to the point we can give you a low-level scrambling to encrypt your, your, your voice calls. So we've got... I'm going to say more durability because of the, the dust proofing and the waterproofing. We've got the, the MDC, the system support that the 4011 doesn't have. It's a, noticeably, it's a smaller, lighter radio. So I think a lot of people or a lot of businesses would find that to be an advantage. Um, so and you can, you can look at the size of the F1000-2000 series as being one that you could wear on a vest instead of where the 4011 would be more on a belt and then you have a speaker mic. Mm -hmm. to come up on the on the chest pad on a vest so it, it gives you more flexibility on how the person could wear it or use the radio so it sounds like there's not a lot of reason somebody should a uh, company should stick with the 4011 it seems like a, a natural progression and that a company should not be hesitant to move up to the f2000 or f1000 series mm -hmm. am i right about that oh yeah and, and it also allows them uh, area to grow as they start looking at expanding their needs with the MDC protocol in it you can see on an analog signal you can see radio identification so who just keyed up a radio whether they sat on it on accident or were intentionally goofing around with the MDC decoder at dispatch they can see who was doing that there's also several different radios in the series. Um, you can get a model with a screen, a model with a, a full keypad, whereas with the 4011, that wasn't an option. That is correct. It, so there again, it goes into expanding what you want to add onto the system. You have another radio here that uh, 
that is really interesting. We've talked about it quite a bit on the um, two-way radio show in the past. Um, but I think it's really an exciting and innovative product uh, with a lot of potential. Can you tell us about the IP100H radio? Yes, the IP100H system is part of a system, and we refer to it as IPARs, our advanced uh, IP advanced radio systems. Um, basically, we got a system here that operates not in the traditional over-the-air analog or digital formats, but more in operating off of a, a wireless LAN, local area network. So basically what that means to you as the consumer, it's you know your coverage. So whatever your, your wireless coverage is running off your IP networks in your facilities, in your operation organization, you can already know what that coverage is going to be, especially in those hard to get areas. We find a lot of uh, areas that aren't covered, you know, when you do just a traditional radio to radio. So we can predict that coverage, but then in, add in a lot of enhanced digital features. So we're now we're taking a radio that traditionally was just an analog format, we're digitizing it, and then giving you a whole host of encryptions, uh, call availability, multiple talk groups over the same path at the same time. Uh, and just enhancing that with a radio that is as small as anything in the market right now. So yep. this is not a traditional two-way radio in, uh, in any way, really, other than the way it operates. You're exactly right. It's a, it's a traditional push-to-talk, and that's where it stops. It works like a radio, yeah. but looks behind like, the scenes. It look, looks, looks like a duck, but doesn't quack like one. You know, uh, it's and it's license-free. It. Totally license-free, yes. A big, that's a big point. This, this radio, we have two different battery configurations for it. One is a 24-hour battery. The other one will get 48 hours. Wow. Hmm. So if you're using it in an environment where somebody forgot to charge it, they don't have to worry about it. I imagine that's because it doesn't need to be a very powerful or high-wattage high radio because of uh, the wireless coverage that... Uh, is going to be available in the building where you're using the radio. Right. It's it's 10 milliwatts, very low power. Uh -huh. And one of the super cool things about it, and we were talking about it earlier before the podcast, was the expansion of your network is based on your wireless IP network. Mm -hmm. So if you're coming in pulling wires, whether you're an electrician or an IT solution team, you fire up a wireless router or an access point you now have a repeater for the radios to talk i love if, that if you need to go down to the basement you've already run one cat five cable snap in another poe access point and now you're able to talk from the basement to the 110th floor and not worry about any any of the expenses of leaky coax repeater and then go one step farther if your boss wants to have contact with you, as soon as you connect it to the internet, they can then be halfway around the world and still talk to the workers that are on that network. So technically, range is just not an issue with Anywhere this radio. Anywhere you have internet yeah. access, you can put an IP1000C controller, right? Well, and you just uh, need it in one location for, so like an outfit like yourself, you can actually rent mm -hmm. IP100s, the controller uh -huh. can be right here in your facility, uh -huh. and as long as you got a VPN tunnel into the Civic Center or the Convention Center, as long as it's on, there's, they stay on that wireless network, you're able to control everything that goes on. You can reprogram them right there through your IP portal. 
See, I think this is such a perfect product for so many companies. I, I just don't think that the word's gotten out enough about this product. And uh, there, there are so many companies that have IT guys on staff that are familiar with the technology that, that drive this product that mm -hmm. would you know, understand it better than traditional radio. And the guys that are able to milk what you can do with this radio because there's texting available in it, there's a soft radio where a dongle plugs into a computer, use the sound card that's in the computer, and you can talk on that radio network wherever you are in the world. It's the IT guy's position of power where he can make it do things. The radio guys go, Oh, well, that's IP, and I don't know much about it, but you keep me in RF, and we talk about repeaters, yep. I can handle it. But it's it's real interesting to see what people are doing with these with these radios. You know what I love about it? It's full duplex. Mm -hmm. that, you know, most customers we talk to just aren't even expecting that, and, and it's not something you'd think you'd use with yeah. radio, but it's, it's really convenient. And people ask about full duplex solutions all the time, and here's one, you know, but here, here's one step forward. Think about, for the radio guys that are listening in, think about what a full duplex conversation would do to a radio network. <laughs> okay? Yeah. One controller, one IP, 1000C, can handle up to 50 simultaneous full duplex private calls. Wow. That's equal to 50 full duplex channels on a radio system. Now, how much would that cost a business? It would um, be out of the price, out of the budget of <laughs> most of the businesses yeah. we talk to by yeah, a long shot. It would, it would be cost prohibitive for a lot of people. Now, I mentioned that 150, that's 100 radios. Each of the IP1000Cs can handle up to a maximum of 100 radios. You can go to 11 of those controllers on the same IP network. So then you have 1,100 radios that are capable of being covered. Now, if you take a look, and here's one of the scenarios that we've, that we've toyed around with. Your coliseum for your favorite sports team. Food vendors. Mm -hmm. Isn't it annoying when you're sitting in the stands, hey, I want a soda, oh, I'll come back to you. <laughs> Two hours later, hey, I, have you forgotten about me? What ends up happening is the human resources that they have for these events that one person that had the sodas or the beer or the popcorn, whatever you want, has to go back to replenish. Right. What if they were on a full blue duplex radio system such as this where they could go, I'm down to three sodas, I need more. And they have a runner bring the food or bring the replenishment of the supplies and they're able to pick up. How much more food do you think that arena will sell? Keeping the food line. There's so much potential to add efficiency with what you're talking about. It, it's incredible. Then the really great thing about this, again, getting back to being a system, you know, we have other options as part of the system. One is we've got a, the product that we've got is the 100FS. You know, we can actually put a software application on a standard Windows-based computer that'll talk to all the radios. So you could take a point that, a stationary point, and now we've tied it in the system. And it's even got a little more functionality. It can actually pinpoint where that radio's, which access point that radio's talking off of in a, in a facility. So you can, you can essentially locate someone pretty easily just from just 
based on that. Yeah, that'll give them a lot of information. Yeah. Narrow them down to a, to an area. Mm-hmm. But then then also, you know, we don't we don't think about it as much in business nowadays in the security side. But here, this is a fully encrypted, all the way up to an AES encryption. So these conversations are protected, and and, and a lot of that gets into where they design their networks and so forth. Mm-hmm. You know, where the customers, the the, the security and the, and the encryption of the network that they build. But you know. Having, especially since we're probably talking to a lot of radio folks here, but also to business people, we don't have to think about that security as much as we do nowadays. You know, getting information stolen, mm-hmm. uh, just the confidentiality of uh, you know people breaking into your network, and, and when you're dealing with over-the-air radio, yeah. security is a big concern, and uh, it's often an um, additional expense to to add that on and. Um, there's holes at times. It's built right into this product. Yeah, it has the capabilities. But again, getting back to the security of your network, so you're where you're buying a traditional radio, you're pretty much open to the world. You can get some higher sophisticated radios that yeah. have a lot more heavier scrambling built into it. Sometimes they're not built in. You have to, to get a module to yes. put into it for, you know, to add to the radio. Often, sure. Yeah. So this just gives you that next step, that next level, which we all probably think about nowadays. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let me make sure I understand. With the security, um, the security is provided by the access point or by the the network that you're on. It's uh, if if it's a, a wireless router or a wireless access point, and you're on WPA encryption, that's going to be the security level of the radio communications. That's correct. The network is the, the what the customer designs his network to is giving him those levels of security. Okay. And in addition, I think we, we've talked a little bit about the uh, IP100F and in location. You remember, again, I don't want to misrepresent that it's giving you that in-building GPS. It's more it'll show you what uh, access point that radio is talking off. off sure, of it's the location kind of, of the access point. Just kind of locating you in that point. So. Understood. So. Okay. Well, while we've got you here, I'd like to get your take on some of the hot topics that come up from time to time. Uh, One of the biggest um, topics that we cover fairly regularly here on the two-way radio show um, is DMR versus NXDN. ICOM's products. We've had that question come up. Yeah, we have. Yeah, we have. And we've had some pretty lively discussions about about all that in the past. ICOM's products are NXDN compatible. what do you see as the NXDN advantage? Well, one of the things with when we're talking about like with the IP100, uh-huh. I mean it's it's very difficult when you get into the conversation of two time slots that you see with DMR versus two channels on NXDN. One of the advantages that NXDN has is a true six and a quarter solution, mm-hmm. but to fill that two time slots, you're going to need two channels. And that's that's just a fact of DMR. Right. What we've been able to see and actually have seen some systems sold is a hybrid between NXDN and the IP radio system. We have a device called the VEPG3 that is the bridge between the two. So we talked about the the expandability and the capability of of 50 simultaneous conversations going on on your IP wireless network. But then, just as simple as telling them, you go to, say it's at a school district, you go to the bus channel. Mm-hmm. All it is is it's, it's different signaling for the IP100. It tells it to bridge the IP100 conversation that I'm about to have over to the bus network. And once you get the clear that that bridge is set up, or you could have it perma set up, that the radios are ignoring it, 
you then are on a different talk path to your NXDN radio system. I love how integrated everything is, and that that VEPG3 device is is just fantastic. We could we need to have a show discussing just that. Basically, yeah. the VEPG3 you could make anything talk to anything. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty broad statement, but uh, it seems like that proves itself true over and over from what I've seen. Oh yeah, and one of the, one of the nice things on it, the VEPG3. When you're bridging between the IP radios and the the IDIS, the NXDN radios, all the signaling, all the uh, identification, just travels through because you're in a digital domain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we can integrate different radio systems, analog, HF. Uh, there's actually a emergency communications van that's using two of the VEPG3s, and they're bridging P25, EDX analog the ip radios they've got a a 31 foot crank up mast that they'll put a uh, a wireless access point at the top right and gets a good six 600 meter coverage where everybody's using the ip 100s so everybody everybody that arrives on scene has to have a radio mm-hmm. whether they need to use it or not but they have to have a radio he just deploys them with the IP100s, the ones that need to go into the other radio system. He will bridge them in as needed. And everybody feels important with a radio. And it's all tied together through that VEPG3. It just opens up so much potential, you know. Yeah, it, yeah. I, I bet it saves a lot of companies money. If you have an investment in existing infrastructure and that you don't want to throw away and replace everything, I'm sure it provides opportunities there as well. Well, it's interesting to watch it because when when people look at it and see how small it is, mm-hmm. they're they're like, it can do all of that. And then when we tell them the price point, and they're like, well, we're used to paying ten to twenty thousand dollars. What do you mean I can get an eight port bridge that costs me under six thousand? Yeah, I mean the thing looks like it makes me think of my, the Linksys router that I have at my house. You know that's. You know, running my whole network in, in the size and everything that it is, but I'm, I'm the, still the engineering I'm, that had to go into that. I'm still stuck on the idea that having a radio makes me feel important, <laughs> and it does. <laughs> well, that's that's kind of the ham radio background going yeah. and working with this. You see people come in. Well, I'm so and so. Where's my radio? <laughs> <laughs> We've seen that before. Yeah. Um, something else we've seen introduced within uh, the last year or so is, is radios that use that are targeted for the business market that use 900 megahertz frequency hopping spread spectrum technology. That's something that you've seen before. Do you have any thoughts on uh, on that? I I really have not. Uh, you know, my background with the spread spectrum technology has been more in data applications. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen it; it's been used there for years in the voice applications. You know, people have, have toyed with it in mesh networks. You'll uh-huh. probably hear that technology mm-hmm. yeah. where they've kind of taken mesh and they're trying to find a new bandwidth to operate in. Uh, the really only advantage is, is really it's giving you a bandwidth to operate in. So from a voice standpoint, it's really not bringing a lot to you that we can't already achieve through our traditional analog or digital or especially our IP series radios that we just discussed. You know, uh, we can give you all that digital background, all that support. Now, if you're needing to get into a data 
true passing of wireless data, then yeah, you know, that's an application that may have some pertinence. You know, so. Yeah, I think I agree with you. There, there are uh, some limitations, it seems, like expandability and such is, is certainly an issue, and it's proprietary technology, so. But what, um, you said it was 900 megahertz. It uses 900 megahertz frequencies, and as I understand it, the radio is constantly hopping from one frequency to another um, based on a certain algorithm within okay. the radio and you sort of change channels by changing what that algorithm for the frequency hopping is. It, it can be a good and a bad thing depending on your your application of it. On the good side it, it allows for very very secure communications because it's very difficult for someone else to a scanner to, wouldn't to, be to, able to yeah, they, they wouldn't be able to pick that up easily. On the negative side it's pretty much the same sort of thing. It, it's proprietary as Danny was saying that uh, you can't really match it up with any other radio and it, it needs to be the same make and model of radio using the same algorithm for FHSS. But what what kind of area can you talk using this radio? Um, it's all one-to-one um, you're definitely locked into one-to-one radio communication you can't um, use a repeater for example there's no repeater capability so if you um, the, the range tends to be about the same, maybe um, a, slightly better than UHF, um, but it's a one watt radio, so the, the power is low, and if you ever need to expand the range that you you get right out of the box, you're stuck. You so m- mainly your biggest advantage is a license-free communications device. That's correct. Correct. I'm, honestly... If I was selling to them, I would point them in the direction of an IP100 because while it's not a peer-to-peer without an access point, the expandability and the integration into another radio system, another radio network with a VEPG3 just expands what you have the capability of doing. Okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, One last question I wanted to throw at you. Um, We get a lot of uh, GMRS and FRS enthusiasts that listen to the podcast uh, as well as amateurs and um, I know you guys have um, made FRS GMRS radios in the past is that something we might see again from what I've seen in the crystal ball I I would say no but you have no idea what is in store in the future right well there's some some hope maybe there's always hope. Wait a minute. Didn't I just see a movie about that? <laughs> don't no, don't become a rogue. Yeah. <laughs> well, gentlemen, um, I'd like to thank you for being on the two-way radio show today and uh, joining us and, and giving us some insight into ICOM and some of its uh, products here. Uh, once again, we've been speaking with Ray Novak, uh, Senior Sales Manager, and Keith Chafin, Technical Channel Manager for the Southeast Region uh, for ICOM. Gentlemen, is there anything uh, you'd like to add before we close? No, I just would thank you, thank you Rick and Danny, for having us on today. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Keith. Thanks, Ray. Really appreciate you joining us. And uh, thank you for everybody out there that listens to us. Give us some feedback. What would you like to hear more of from ICOM? Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Coming up, we'll review the ICOM CY5000 and CY6000 all-in-one digital and analog repeaters. Do they really bridge the gap between analog and digital, or are they just redundant? We'll find out next on the Two-Way Radio Show.
Searching for two-way radios? Buy two-way radios has what you need. Buy two-way radios is the source for two-way radios and radio accessories from major name-brand manufacturers for businesses and consumers alike. Buy two-way radios provides more than just great radios at a great price. We are a leading source of expert advice on the products that we sell and can assist in finding the perfect solution for you or your business. We also deliver great service. Our products are stocked at our local warehouse. This allows us to guarantee processing time and fast shipment of your order. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use, Buy Two-Way Radios can help you find the best solution for you. Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at buytwowayradios.com weekdays. Buy Two-Way Radios at buytwowayradios.com. Your radio specialists. You're listening to the Two-Way Radio Show. In this week, we're going to review a series of all-in-one digital and analog radio repeaters from ICOM, the CY5000 and CY6000. Well, this has been one of our more popular repeaters that we sell. Been around for a couple of years now. It's a dual-mode repeater, which is is nice compared, you know... We talk about the the dual mode handhelds that are out there that are, um, you know, support both analog and digital, and so making the transition to the new digital radios because we know that's where the future is going uh, makes it a lot uh, forgiving on you know business owners, uh, pocketbooks, and things like that. Um, so the repeater is the same way; it supports both an analog and digital format. It supports ICOMs. FDMA digital format. We've mentioned before in other podcasts. There's two different digital formats: TDMA, which is uh, you know the Moto Turbo side, and then you've got the FDMA, which is ICOM and, and Kenwood's uh, digital format. Two different models available: the the 5000 and the 6000. One's a VHF 50 watt repeater. Uh, that's the 5000. The 6000 is a a uh, 45 watt UHF repeater. Built-in power supply, which is nice. You know, some folks uh, with their repeaters don't have a built-in supply. It's something you know, you either got to hardwire it to something, or to get your power, or purchase an additional power supply. Power supply is installed on this. Um, does have room inside for a, a duplexer? Some folks want a duplexer. Some folks do not. The duplexer just basically eliminates two antennas and down to one um it supports a lot of the itis digital features like the selective call group call it's, talk it's group capable ID. of you know with digital you know. you're capable of, of of using instead of just traditional you know press the button talk and then release and listen uh you know with the digital side it's capable of doing lots more with with added items um you know additional boards um, modules, things like that, to make you know integrate them through a computer, um, you know, do all sorts of different uh, options for you. This is a. Um, I, th- I think most of the customers that we have that buy this use it for analog, but mm-hmm. it, like Anthony was saying, it's great that it has the option of digital. Mm-hmm. Now you are locked into the um, NXDN sort of ICOM Kenwood flavor of digital with this but you it, it does sort of future proof your operation you That's don't right. want to have to buy a new repeater if you switch out to digital radio so um you 
do have that support here. Um, and a lot of expandability. You can put an UC FR5000 board in this uh, repeater, and that'll give you, you know, the trunking and networking ability if you need to link multiple sites together using the internet. Um, there's versions of this available uh, with the duplexer pre-installed or with a pre-selector pre-installed or with both the duplexer and the pre-selector. Uh, the, the pre-selector, by the way, increases your selectivity kind of for high-noise environments or high noise being high interference, high RF noise. But it's, it's, it's a good product. Like Anthony was saying, it's our most popular repeater. We've been selling this repeater for years. We haven't had an issue with this repeater. Um, it's easy to set up, easy to use, works great. Now, having said that, you've done a lot of these. You've programmed and set up a lot of these repeaters. Mm-hmm. When we're saying easy to set up, it's, this is really something that, that still – for the most part, needs to be done at the dealer, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. it's um, seldom, very seldom do we see, you know, folks that are programming their own repeater or tuning their own duplexer. We do that all in house. We do charge a small fee to do it because it does require to do the duplexer alone. It requires a pretty expensive machine to do so mm-hmm. to, to get it right. Um, but we install the duplexer for you. So basically when you get it, it's plug and play. You know, plug it in. And just um, go. It could be um, it could be set on a desk or a file cabinet or um, it is also rack mountable. Um, I was gonna say this is a primarily a rack mount device, so um, yeah, you can set it on a desk, but um, Yeah, it's got okay, little how legs. Heavy is this? Um, I want to say it's about 15 pounds. That's not too bad. Yeah, with the, with the duplexer. It's not uh, – um, the first time I opened one of these things, I thought, oh, man, it's going to be a mess inside there. But really, I mean, it's 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 more of the shell. Uh, there's a lot of empty space in there until you add things like the duplexer and a pre-selector if you choose to go that route. Um, it can also be used as a base station. It does have a RJ11-style connector port on the front. Um, so if you wanted to install a hand mic or a desk mic, you could do that as well. It does have a speaker output as well for an auxiliary speaker. Um, we do have some folks that will set this on a desk, and the person that sits at that desk will will use it um, as a base station. Like to, to dispatch or something. To dispatch, no, exactly. No. Um, so, I mean, for... When we sell them, they're probably used more for just a normal user, somebody that needs increased range, a, a warehouse. Um, I have a nightclub out in Las Vegas that has a repeater like this. That um, it's a four-story building, and they and it, but it's a pretty large building. But they also have a rooftop access, so they needed a little bit more power to be able to get throughout the entire building and through the elevators and things like that. And this was mm-hmm. a perfect little setup for them. Um, so what's the cost on these? So the CY5000 and the CY6000 with duplexer, uh, the website price is $2,268. We usually keep a couple of these in stock as well. So uh, it's very convenient for, um, I get a lot of calls. It's probably half and half. I get a lot of calls for somebody that says, oh, my repeater was, my antenna was hit by lightning and it fried my repeater. Here's my frequencies. I need a new one. Uh, You know, there really aren't many two-way radio dealers who can get a tuned duplexer repeater out the same day that you place the order. Yeah, if you give us enough notice. It's tight for us, but we can do that if we've got enough uh, 
time yeah we uh we we keep a couple usually in stock more uhf i think than than vhf but i think we we keep at least one of the five thousands in stock which is not which is not easy to do sometimes because i see these things going out the door a lot it's a it's a method i mean danny's done them as well it's it's you know it's a lot of um a lot of screws you got to take out you know you when you do the duplexer you know you've got to make sure that you've got i mean there's a method to the madness mm-hmm. um yeah you really can't call us at, normally we say if you get your order in by six we'll ship it the same day but that does not apply with a uh repeater for sure we, i've done uh, it before need... i've had somebody call it right at five o'clock and have you really yes oh yeah wow and, it's, wow. and got it out and and um, that's that's but it, it's 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 a rarity. Usually, you know, um, of course, if you if you call and order one of these, and you're also ordering licensing and and things like that, usually that's the way it works. Yeah, it's right, going to go yeah. out. It's going to go out in a couple weeks, mm-hmm. typically, because um, we got to wait for the the longest part is getting your your frequencies coordinated. But um, I think for just a plug and play repeater, you know, if you need some extra boost, this is a very very good. Uh, uh, I've seen some online that are some of the competitors that you know, repeaters aren't cheap. Uh, it's, no. a, it's an investment. There's definitely some out there that are a lot more expensive. Uh, but this is a great option for um, businesses. We've sold some to uh, amateur repeater owners. Mm-hmm. Um, I did one last week for a, a guy that was setting up a new amateur repeater tower and, and liked the ICOM. They're, We've also sold these to people that are planning to use them for GMRS. Yeah. Um, even yeah. though it's not specifically type accepted for, for that, uh, nothing is. So yeah. <laughs> anyone using a GMRS repeater is going to have to use a, a business repeater. That's right. This program for GMRS, and, and this is a good choice. You know, definitely give us a call. I mean, it can be kind of intimidating when you start talking about repeaters, and but it's they're definitely uh, there's definitely a benefit for them. Um, and, and anybody in the sales staff can can walk you through it and get you get you the right setup uh, definitely for this. All right. Any other thoughts on the CY five thousand, CY six thousand? It's, it, it. I mean, we sell a lot of these, and it's it's popular. So. Um, I think we're repeating ourselves already. Yeah, I think we are. <laughs> get it? <laughs> but I'm pumped. All right. Well, we've got. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, we've got some comments and questions from our blog and our forum at twowayradioforum.com. Uh, the first one comes from, uh, uh, this one's from Barry. Trying to understand the difference between the Midland MXT-105, MXT-100, and the MXT-90. Thanks, and that's from Barry. Um, he's talking about the MXT micromobile radios. Ah, I see. Uh, the MXT-100 is the old model. Yes. That's the the one they came out with initially. The MXT90 is a model that's made for one specific retailer, I believe. But it's very, very similar to the MXT105. Mm-hmm. MXT105 is the, the normal model for that level of, of product. But I, I think the MXT105 and the MXT90 are pretty much the same product. They're just numbered differently. Just, um, the 105 is better. One of five yeah, better yeah. because we it sell is. it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
the see uh, the next one comes from Pete and he says hey Rick remember that I told you about the response I got from Midland uh, mid 2016 when I wrote about the death of the GXT 5000 and also the MXT 100 limit of 5 watts they said to wait for 2017 for some surprises guess these new Midland GMRS radios are what they were talking about and that's from Pete and he's referring to our episode 108 where we talked about the new Midland MXT um, radios that are uh, coming out. They listen to you, Pete. Yep, they sure did. They they listen to all of us, and uh, so I'm still surprised by how popular those Midland mobiles were. I, I didn't think that um, they would be as big of sellers as they are, but mm-hmm. people love them. Yeah, I can't wait to see what happens with the 115 and the 400. Yeah, I think they're going to be big too, as we mentioned in uh, that episode. I think they're both. Yeah, going if it to were be me, big. I'd wait on the 115 over the 105 for sure. Get the repeater capability. Yeah, I think that's going to be power. a real winner. And uh, and our last one is a question from Jim, and he's uh, responding to the MD9600 announcement that we made sometime <laughs> back last year, and uh, he says. Uh, any word on this mobile radio being available yet? And that's from Jim. Well, that's the million dollar question. <laughs> yeah. There's word. <laughs> there's word. There's so but there's been word before. So. Yeah. <laughs> so last talk with with Titera, TYT. They've had some they had a kind of a uh, I threw a monkey wrench at them um, with the firmware. So they were working on that. I don't know why it took them so long. Uh, can't get an answer out of them but anyway so i'm being told march 2017 so she's almost guaranteed me by like march 8th but it's to the point now where i'll believe it when they hit the hit the dock um mm-hmm. hopefully i'll have a sample here next month um work out any bugs kind of like what we do with the 380 i'm not gonna appreciate titera's you know, we got a lot of grumpy people out there going, well, you know, this thing has been – it's taking forever. It's taking forever. It yeah. is. It really is. This they, is a much-anticipated model. It is. They do not understand how big DMR is on the amateur side. They don't – they can't grasp it. They don't realize that there are thousands of people waiting for something like this. I think their and their, their target market really is the business. I think so. Yeah. What I can say is this. I do appreciate TYT's uh, – it's just frustrating. It really is to get this announcement last – you know, February last year mm-hmm. that, a, that a mobile was coming and to be told it would be here in, in spring and then in the summer and then by Christmas and it's still not here yet. It's frustrating. It's frustrating for everybody. But I can appreciate TYT's quality control on this. Um, they want to make sure they're putting out a – the the very best product possible um we've seen we've seen some radios come in that you know what do you expect from a 30 dollar radio you obviously the quality control is not going to be there you know it's it's kind of expected um now granted this is not a 30 dollar radio but they want to make sure it's right Mm -hmm. and they did that with the 380 it took you know a little bit longer to get the 380 out than what we were promised but it's they they wanted to work out the bugs and 
that radio is is and you know what we've seen some of these imported radios have issues right out of the gate and we haven't had a problem like that with tyt's products knock on wood i mean i'm not saying nothing's going to happen but um, i tell a lot of amateurs this especially at ham fest um uh, one of the last ham fest we did a couple guys were like well go get something else go 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 find another mobile there's the you know they can there's lots of manufacturers over there that can surely make one well there is there there's a few people that are are, um trying to put something out but i've received a lot of samples i tell guys all the time i've got a shelf in my office that has more radios that have not made the cut Mm -hmm. than have made the cut because we don't want to put junk on the website i don't have time to we support everything we sell and we don't want to stick a $50 Chinese made radio on the website. If we're going to be constantly fielding calls about it. Exactly. Um, and you guys don't want that either. You, you don't want to buy a radio. Exactly. That 10% of are coming back, you know, that you don't want to, you need somebody to, to kind of screen things. And, you know, I think that we're, um, it's important that we do that. And I can assure you, uh, you know, we're going to be one of the first dealers to have these radios. We've been taking pre-orders now for um, since about last May, uh, when we could finally formally announce it. Um, we've not, con- you know, contrary to what's being said on other places, we have not charged anybody. It's basically putting you in queue for one of these radios, putting you in line for it. Yeah, that's um, all it is. We've had some people cancel, but, you know, because they, they don't want to wait any longer, which I understand. That's fine. But there's we will we will have more than enough to get these orders shipped out. And, and I think that once the final product gets here, it's going to be, if it's anything like the 380, it's going to blow the socks off of people. Well, it's quite clear that there is a lot of demand for a digital mobile like this, and this is a much-anticipated item. Um, And I don't want to go off on a rant on this myself, but um, when you were just talking about being ready and and being sure before you put the product out on market, I think that that's um, one of the things I've noticed is that people are so quick to just – be impatient about getting it out there. When is it going to come out? Why isn't it out here yet? And just being very impatient about it. And if somebody throws something out on the market to to appease them, then all of a sudden there is a lot of negative feedback from them because, oh, this doesn't work, that doesn't work. Why is this not, you know, functioning properly? Why is this not designed well? What well, that's the trade-off. You, you can't really have it both ways, you know. Either you're going to have a good product that, where the time has been taken to fully vet it and get it out to market, so that you are happy with it, or you just want something, just to to satisfy your need at the moment. Uh, and if that's what you really want, then you can't really complain when it when it's not perfect. Right. I agree, and I think there are a couple schools. I think some people. Uh, just want a mobile radio that you yeah, know is going to yeah. halfway get the job done and would be fine with some issues. And I think there are some people who want a high quality product, and it's it's hard to satisfy everybody. And um, I don't know. I completely understand that. It's, like I said, I give yeah. it to TYT for. I mean, I've seen videos of their production facilities, and it was nothing like what I had imagined in my head. It's it's a pretty high tech place um, dealing with. A couple of the different folks over there, it's they they um, 
Danny knows dealing with some of the other manufacturers, it's a pain in the rear to deal with some of them because of the language barrier. And, and again, we're dealing with a $30 radio on some of them. And it's, you know, how much support are you really going to get? Right. TYT is, is, is going to put out a good product. I have no doubt about it. And it's going to be worth the wait once, um, you know, we all hate to be teased with, with something like that, you know, whether it's, um, you know, it's like the Tesla. <laughs> you tell me about it uh, a year ago, but I'm not going to be able to get one until, you know, the end of 2017. And it's like, I don't know how Danny's not chomping at the bit about his. You know, I would be like, I want my now. I want it now. I know how to get. So, you know, it's or you know, a new phone or, or, the flying or whatever cars, the, the flying yeah, cars, whatever, I mean, the, we don't whatever have those. It's 2017. Why don't we have the flying cars? Whatever here? it may be. Or the be. hoverboard. I, I, I think it'll hoverboard? be worth the wait, though. And, and believe me. So the Indy ninety six hundreds will be here before hoverboards and flying cars. You're saying. I'm not going to guarantee that. <laughs> I'm not going to guarantee that just yet. We might have uh, uh, budget flying cars before uh, the, the ninety six hundred gets here. <laughs> well, let's 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 hope it gets here soon. All right. Well, I guess that does it for our comments and questions this week. Send in your comments and questions for Danny, Anthony, or myself to show at buytwowayradios.com. If you want to know more about today's topic or about two-way radios in general, check out our forum discussions at twowayradioforum.com. You can subscribe to the Two-Way Radio Show directly from our website at twowayradioshow.com or hear it on iTunes, Blueberry.com, Google Play Music, or Stitcher Radio. All right. Well, that uh, does it for our show this week. Uh, before we go, any other comments i don't think so i'd like to thank ray novak and keith chapin for uh, joining us today absolutely appreciate it guys yeah well today's show is sponsored by buy radios.com whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use buy two-way radios can help you find the best solution for your needs enter the promo code show at checkout and save an additional five percent off your order Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at buy2wayradios.com. Well, everyone, as always, thanks for listening, and until next time, for the Two-Way Radio Show, I'm Rick Savoya. I'm Danny Feimster. And I'm Anthony Roquet. And we're out. Out.